bottom of the escalator and we're just we're kind of going through a, a tough season of our, of our lives and and so at the top life is good right our, our health is good uh, maybe we got a promotion at work and we got a raise uh, maybe you brought home a good report card uh, from school but life is good at the top of the escalator and then and then we go through the the tough seasons of life so we have some lows and at the bottom of the escalator maybe there's some health problems uh, maybe you found out at work there's they're making some some pay cuts and and uh, and maybe you're looking at one of those pay cuts as for yourself um, but last week John looked looked at experiencing God through confusion. Uh, we saw that the disciples were confused over many things, right? Right? Things like, I'm leaving you, but I'm coming back. And you're like, what? You're, you're, you're leaving us, but you're coming back? And so, um, and, and things like, like, take this bread and take this wine. And when you do, remember me. Think of me when you, when you take these things. And, and we saw confusion, right? John showed us that we can, we, that we can experience God through the confusions of our own lives as well. And so today we're looking at experiencing God through celebration. And if you have your Bibles with you today, go ahead and, and open them up to, to Luke chapter 19. Um, I'll be reading from there in a moment, but I'm going to kind of set it up. So Luke chapter 19, if you brought your Bibles, that'd be a good place to, to open up to and start. But today is Palm Sunday, right? Today is a, is a very special Sunday, right? It's, a, it's special because Palm Sunday in the church, it's like there's this like, tradition in the church right when when we think about when we think about it right this is this is the sunday that jesus rode in on the on the donkey call and revealed that that who he was in a in a very outward way that that he was the messiah that he was the one that all prophecy pointed to and aimed at and up to this point up until then he wasn't willing to to announce that until this day Right. It was it was the culmination of, a, of, a, of an amazing series of prophecies, but especially um, one found in the book of Daniel in chapter nine and verse twenty seven and following and, and, and following through that. And Jesus came to bring fulfillment to those prophecies that we read. So it's so it's a special day. And today we celebrate that. And you see, God wants you to have moments of celebration Times that are special that you will remember forever that lead you back to him. Um, I'm not usually like the sappy type uh, kind of person. If you know me, I'm, you know that. Um, but, uh, but I'm going to be. So. <laughs> um, so don't let it like shock you. <laughs> um, but I remember it was just over a year ago. And, and for the first time, uh, uh, me and Lindsay got to hold our son in our arms for the first time. It was a moment of celebration for us. Um, it was, a, it was, it, it, you know, we, we, we went through all these, uh, all sorts of paperwork to do our, to, to do the adoption. And, and I remember doing the, uh, finally getting the birth certificate. That was like a huge celebration. Cause I think like I wrote more checks to the state of Florida to get his birth certificate than I ever have in my life. And I just thought it was like, you were born and you get one, but apparently you have to pay hundreds of dollars for it. So like we, we finally got the paperwork done, right? And it was like we, we were celebrating again and we were so happy because that, that said, you know what? Like you guys have all your paperwork in place. And then, and then we celebrated again when, when um, we, we finally had our court date and the judge was in there and he said, you guys, no one can ever take them away from you. And we celebrated again and, and, it, and it was amazing. And now, 
A few weeks ago now, um, me and Lindsay were celebrating again. You see, uh, just a few weeks ago, he started walking. And we're like, we're celebrating again. But see, but see we celebrated because we knew the, the, the hard work that it took to, to get him. And we knew there, w- there was a time when we didn't think we were going to get him, you know. And so we celebrate. And, and our celebration when we see those things leads us back to God. We think about God when we can celebrate those moments with our son. You see, we have these moments in life that we celebrate that we'll always remember. And, and me and Lindsay, do we have those with our son? But I know when we think about those moments, it, it, it does. It leads us back to God. And, and on Palm Sunday, Jesus, too, wanted to have a moment with the Jewish people in the city of Jerusalem. And here's, and here's what's sad about that. They missed their moment. The Jewish people missed their moment. The vast majority of them missed it. They didn't understand what was going on. And Jesus kept calling it their day, their day. He kept calling it that. Because in Deuteronomy and in Daniel chapter 9, the day was spoken of. In Zechariah chapter 11, it says, Behold, your king is coming to you on the fool of a donkey. And he came announcing who he was, and they missed it. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 that Paul talks about a day. It says this. It says, In God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, In the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. He says, Now is the day of salvation. He's saying, When it's your moment, when it's your time, I'm going to move in your heart. I'm going to help you make a decision. I'm going to, I'm going to nudge you to do it. I'm not going to force you to do it, but you, but you can choose to do it. And here's, the, and, and here's the thing. Do you and I know our time? Do, do we know our day? I know I remember mine. Do you know yours? Do you remember yours? Or have you, had, or have you not had it yet? And God wants to do that for you. On this day, Palm Sunday, they missed their day. Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 39, it says this. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Jesus replied, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Why? Because up to this point is the greatest day in all of creation. The cross, the, the, the resurrection would all be summed up in it. But, but in this moment, the Messiah had come. And in this moment... The Messiah, the Son of God, is being revealed. And he says, he says, if you don't praise, then creation will. The stones will. This day is so important. On verse 41, we continue. It says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And he says, if you eat, if you, if you even you had only known on, on this day what would bring you to peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem them on every side. They will dash you to the ground, to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Why would this happen? Because some 40 years later, Titus would bring a Roman army and, and surrender the city. And why? Because they didn't know their time. They didn't know their Messiah. They didn't accept their moment. Jesus could have not been more clear though, clear though to them. And he was ready to help them. 
He had earlier warned the Pharisees. He said, why do you keep rejecting God's purpose in your life? Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and, and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Do you want it? Are you willing to grab it? Are you willing to accept it? God has special days for us. Palm Sunday was a special day for the city of Jerusalem and for all of us. But every day becomes a moment when we can have God's will in our life. All of us who are believers and followers of Christ, we were told to do something. Matthew 28, it's called the Great Commission. Verse 18 through 20, it says this, Jesus, after he was raised from the dead, said this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded, and surely I am with you to the very end of age. Did you catch that? It says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Baptize comes from, from the Greek word baptize, when it means to dip or to submerge or, or plunge. And, and I want you to go, and, and he says, and, and then after that, he says, and I want you to go and make disciples of every nation, of, of every ethnic group, of every race. And the first thing I want you to do when that happens is I want you to go and, as soon as you become a disciple, you need to get baptized. I want you to, I want you to, I want you to immerse or plunge them under the water in an amazing ceremony that symbolizes their relationship with me. And so Jesus says this, go into all the world making disciples. And, and who is to be baptized? Not children, disciples. Baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Jesus saying, you know, you know what? Your day, your moment, on your time, I want you to experience something with me. I want you to make a commitment to be a disciple. What is a, what is a disciple? A disciple is a follower of Christ. It's somebody who chooses to do the will of God. Somebody that chooses to have a relationship with Jesus, to have him as their Lord and Savior. Luke chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says this, And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. The cross is symbolic for the need to sacrifice. Jesus gave everything to us on the cross. He says, are you willing to give everything to me? But, but let me tell you what happens the minute you say you'll give everything to, to, to him. And I've experienced this in my own life. He gives way more back. There's no way you can outgive God. There's no way that you can outbless God. Everything that you hold, that you hold, hold on to, that God says let go of it, because he has something way better planned for you in your life. But he says, you have to carry your cross and follow me. Being a disciple is being a Christ follower. We follow him. We live as he would live. We do what he would have us do. Do you remember, do you remember that Jesus got baptized? Jesus went to John the Baptist and began his ministry. It was the first thing he did to begin his ministry. He went to John the Baptist and he told him, John, baptize me. And John's looking at him like he's crazy. He's like, no way, man. He's like, he's like we can't do this. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus says, let all righteousness be fulfilled. Jesus was saying, it's the right thing for me to do, to be baptized. If you're here at HCC today and you're thinking, I don't know that I need to be baptized. You need to know that Jesus did. Do you think you're better than Jesus? 
Are you going to follow Christ or not? Jesus was baptized as an adult, knowing what he was doing. And Jesus says, I want you to follow me in my ways. Maybe you're here today and, and you're wondering, you know, why, why is this such a big deal? Baptism, baptism is an outward sign of what you have in, inwardly committed to do, an all-or-nothing commitment to the Lord. <clears throat> that I will live with you. That I will love you. I will be yours. I, I want to have a relationship with you. Outwardly, that is what it symbolizes. It's a sign of our commitment. To be baptized, that, to be baptized means that all of your body goes under the water. It's, it's saying, everything who I am is yours. It symbolizes death to self and a life to God. It symbolizes a commitment that is complete. In the 15th century, Ivan the Great, a great monarch and warrior, decided that he wanted to be a Christian. When they taught him about, about baptism, he said, this is, uh, when, the, when the priest taught him about baptism, um, the priest told him, you know, I'm going to baptize you under the water all the way. And, and, and Ivan the Great says, I want you to baptize me with my right arm sticking out of the water because I'll serve God with everything I have except my right arm because I want that for war. And here's the sad part of that story. They did it. Like the priest baptized him that way. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why the priest didn't have enough courage to say, you know, and look him in the eye and say, it's all or nothing. You don't hold anything out. You don't keep anything back. Baptism symbolizes, I don't hold anything back. A lot of people want to act like they're ready to follow the Lord, but when, it, but when it's time to follow him, they hold back from it. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 6. He talks about the picture of baptism. Romans chapter 6, 1 through 6, it says this. What shall we say then? <coughs> Shall we go on sinning so the grace may, be, may increase? By no means. We are, those, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like, th- like his, he w- we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know, for we know that, our sel- that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. When someone says, can I go, can I go on living for myself? Well, no, because what were you baptized into? What, what was the picture that, that, that God gave to you? What was the ceremony that you experienced? There is power in this ceremony. In this celebration, just like a wedding ceremony is incredibly, incredibly meaningful and powerful, baptism is also powerful and meaningful if we come to God with the right heart. It's so powerful that Peter says this in 1 Peter 3.21, And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear consciousness, conscious toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peter is saying it's not the water that saves you. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not being washed in the water that saves you. It's an appeal to God. 
If, if I just get dunked in the water and I have no idea what I'm doing, it's a meaningless ceremony. It, it only has meaning if I know what I'm doing. It's only Christian baptism if I'm calling out for Christ. So if I'm, so if in, a, so if I'm in a baptism situation and I don't know what I'm doing, then it's not a baptism. Think about this. Nobody can believe in God but for you. Nobody can repent for you. So, the, so then why do we think, so why do people think that we can do baptism for us? It's an appeal to God. It's a calling out to God inwardly so that you would experience the outward. You may be here today and you might be like, Andy, I, I, I don't understand. Why is this such a big deal? Or you may not understand why it's so important. You don't understand because you've never done it. Any of us who have done it, know, we know. We know why it's this incredible, this incredible time. We know it's incredibly meaningful. We know, we know why it's powerful and, and, and intimate. It goes back to Exodus 24-7. Exodus 24-7 says this. Exodus 24-7 gave birth to how we, we grow in faith. Jesus would talk about this later in Luke 17. In Exodus 24, Moses... Um, Moses is going to, to read the law, and it says this. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it to the people. They responded, we will do everything the Lord has said we will, we will obey. It's saying that there are many things in this life you will never know what it is to do unless you do it. For example, I can teach you about, about fasting, but unless you fast for yourself, you'll never know how great fasting is. I, I can teach you about praying and reading God's word. But if you don't do it, if, if you don't know the joy of it. I can't, I can't talk about loving your, your enemies, but you'll never understand. I can talk about loving your enemies, but you'll never understand it unless you love an enemy. I can tell you all about baptism over and over and over again, but you'll never know the beauty of it unless you with the right heart come and do it. It's a commandment to be baptized, but it's more than a command. It's an amazing experience that God wants to share with you. You're buried with Christ in a very intimate way. It's a command that is, that is to be obeyed. The book of Acts is the history of the, of the early church. Jesus rose from the dead, and, and this is how the, the church operated, right? The church since its inception for over 300 years would, would only baptize adults or, or, or at least people of age who knew what they were doing were doing by immersion. So it would be a child that was maybe 10. It could be a child that was 10, 11, 12. But they had to know what they were doing, and it was always by immersion. For 300 years, that's how they practiced it. All biblical baptism was by immersion and only upon those who asked for it. And so, when, so how did this change? A council of men just got together and decided, decided to change this. Jesus did not change it. Since Jesus' inception, the Bible's inception was different. In Acts 2, Peter, was, Peter has preached the very first sermon. And he says, do you guys realize what you just did? He's in front of this crowd of people and he's saying, do you guys realize what you just did? The Messiah you have longed for came and you guys killed him. You crucified him and you not only crucified the Messiah, you killed the Son of God. And they thought, well, there's no hope for us now. What are we going to do? Acts chapter 2, 37 and 38 says, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? 
Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter says, God loves you. God cares about you. God wants to forgive you, even though you called out for the death of Jesus. And Peter says, Repent and be baptized. The word repent means to turn means to turn turn your life over to God. It means that 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 it means if you really believe in him and, and know that he loves you and, and, then, and then repent. And you tell God, um, you, you pray a prayer that you want to give your, your life over t- to him and the next thing you do is be baptized. You repent and inwardly give yourself to God and outwardly you show it through baptism. You, you go to him and you say, Lord, I love you and now I'm going to do this with you. This is what Peter said to do in 3,000... Um, l- Um, This is what Peter said to do. And 3,000 people that day in their clothes went down to the water and got baptized in that moment. No waiting, no classes. They just wanted God. They, They loved God. They were appealing to God. That's what they were supposed to do. The Old Testament law, especially in the, in the book of Deuteronomy, t- um, taught that, it, that if a man had something happen to him, something physical on his body, or something was wrong with him, it, it stated that you could not come to the temple to worship. You could come and worship, but you had to stand at the gate, uh, but you couldn't go inside. At best, you could, you could get close and listen to everybody else while they worshiped. And from Acts chapter 8, we see a man who was an Ethiopian official. And he lived, in, and you have to understand, he lived hundreds and hundreds of miles away from, from Jerusalem. And he had to, <coughs> and, um, and from Jerusalem, and he, and, and he had to call out to God. He believed in the God of the Bible. So this man went to go to worship, and when he got there, they told him, because you're, because you're a eunuch, you can't enter. You can't come in here to worship. And, and this man would travel hundreds of, of, of miles, and it was a very expensive and very dangerous trip that, that he would take. And he would stand at the gate, listening to everybody else sing praises to God, watching the smoke of the sacrifices go up. And, and, uh, and just on the other side of a wall, he was, not, he was not allowed to get close. I don't know about you, but I'm not sure I would do that. <laughs> That would be like living in Nashville or living in Atlanta and coming to, to Huntsville Christian Church. And, and you get here and we said, you can't come in. There's something in your life. You can't come in here. We don't agree with you. Go stand outside. And, and we wouldn't let you come inside the building. And I don't, I don't know that I could do that. But this guy did. This, God, this guy wanted God so bad that he did this. So this guy bought one of four scrolls and he buys Isaiah 53 and he's paid a ton of money for it for this one little book of Isaiah. He spent all this money because he wanted God so badly. So he gets in his chariot and opens up the scroll and he's, and he's reading Isaiah and the, and the prophecy of a Messiah that would, that would one day come. And Philip runs up alongside the chariot and he says, do you understand what you're reading? And and the Ethiopian's like, no, I, I need someone to show me. And Philip gets up inside this chariot, and Philip's telling him all about Jesus. And, and look what it says in Acts chapter 8, verse 35 and 36. It says this, Then Philip began with, with, with that very passage and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, 
And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? The eunuch had been told over and over that, that there's no way to come to God. That he, that, uh, that he, be, that he begins to hear about Jesus and, and, and who, <clears throat> sorry. Then he begins to hear about Jesus. And, and who does, he wants us to come to God. Jesus, who died to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of our sins to make, to make us acceptable to God. Verse 37 says this, If you believe with all your heart, you may. The eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And, and he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. The eunuch was finally a- able to come to God. He was finally able to experience God. Turn, um, if you turn over to Acts chapter 19, Paul comes to an area of Ephesus and meets up with 12 men who are praying. They're seeking God and Paul asks them a question. He says, do you guys have the Holy Spirit? N- chapter 19 verse 2 says, do you, do you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the, in, the, in the one coming after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Did you notice they didn't go, oh no, we were already baptized. They said, well, well we'll do it then. Let's do this. John did the right thing. John said, you want, to, you want to get ready for the Messiah? Then I'm, going to have to, then I'm going to have baptism for the repentance of sins. But when the Messiah comes to you, you're going to, you're going to have baptism. And here's the difference. John baptized for the repentance of sins. <clears throat> the apostles baptized for your relationship with Christ. It's all about believing in him, loving him, experiencing him, knowing what you're, knowing what you're doing. It's an amazing experience. Of, of going under with him. I love when, when people get baptized, and, and we've done lots of baptisms here, and, and maybe you've been to other churches and, and you've seen baptisms, but I love it. Because like the first thing they always do is like throw up their hands and, and everyone claps, and it's this incredible ceremony of new life and a new relationship with Jesus Christ, and, and I love that moment. Being a Christian is all about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. If Paul were here today, he would say, is this your day? Today is the day of salvation. Today is, is, is the day to do this. Don't let this day pass you. Let Palm Sunday 2014 be your day. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, God, you have made it so clear. When we open up your word in the, in the scriptures and we read about baptism, God, we thank you that, that we can be baptized and have new life in you. God, we thank you that, that you seek us out and that you want a relationship with us. And God, this morning as we prepare for our response time, I pray if there's, if there's anyone here, God, that, that, they would, that needs baptism or needs a relationship with you, God, that they would have enough courage to come forward and do so. God, we are so thankful for your written word this morning. God, we love you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. And, and-